Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here. We're studying the book of Galatians. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson and excited to be here with you this morning to see some great truths in the Word of God. I've been praying that prayer for many years now, even before the Lord brought us back to Calvary, uh, the power of the preaching of the gospel. Just, Lord, show me the wonderful truths in your Word. And uh, He is doing that today, and I'm excited about that. You know, I I believe the most important thing about ministry uh, is is uh, what we as preachers do with the gospel. And uh, so, you know, our, our ministries, no matter what your ministry is, the focus of it should be the gospel. That's the prime and the highlight of all ministry in the eyes of God is the gospel, not whatever else it is you think you're called to do. Inside, whatever that may be, there has to be the gospel or, or you just, you're, you're, you're way off track. And uh, so, let's ask the Lord this morning to give us this daily bread that we desperately need. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to have your word before us and be able to look upon it with our eyes, hold it in our hands, and most importantly, to allow you to impart your word and graft it into our hearts that we might hide your word in our hearts and live a life, Lord, where we're not dominated by sin and sinning against you, but living under grace, Lord. We found the power and the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ. We ask you to give us that which we need today, that which you call daily bread. Bless us today, Lord. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, today we will begin chapter 5 in the book of Galatians. And the Bible says in verse 1 there, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty... Wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And what he's saying there really is this, don't leave the cross. And, uh, and, and because the third word in that first verse is therefore, stand fast, therefore, uh, we, that means we've got to go back and recap a little bit because that's what he's doing here. Remember, the Bible is not written in chapter and verse when it was written, that's just there for us to help us find and locate things in the Bible easier. So when he all of a sudden says, stand fast, therefore, that means you got to look back to see what for. And he will explain that. And I just want to recap just for a couple of minutes this morning. Go back to verse 22, and we'll just run through here and highlight a couple things. Verse 22 says, for it is written, this is chapter 4, Abraham had two sons. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. And he says in verse 24, which things are an allegory. They're a type and a shadow. They're, they're, a, they're symbolic of these are the two covenants. Now think about that. We're going to say some things. You've got to know the, the Bible here. And before Paul got to the stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, he, 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 he just discussed these things. And you've got to know his whole intention in writing this letter. And I mean the Holy Spirit's intention. Not Paul didn't come up with this by himself. The Holy Spirit, who is God, moved on the heart of Paul and had him write to this uh, church in Galatia where these Galatians were becoming fickle and, and under attack by the Judaizers, attempted to drag them back under law where Christ can't work in their lives, can't affect them, they fall from grace, and in the very danger of going back into corruption, as hopefully we'll see today, uh, and, and, and even to the possibility of losing their souls, and we'll see that today if we get that far. But these, this, this son born of the bondwoman, this son born of the free woman, this Isaac of the free woman, Sarah, and Ishmael of the bondwoman, Hagar, uh, they represent not only the covenants, these two women, but the fruit of the covenants. The fruit of the co these sons represent the fruit of these covenants. The one being Hagar, the law, and the fruit of the law is the flesh. Sarah, Symbolic of grace, the promise that comes by grace through faith, and the fruit of that being Isaac. And that's what he's referring to here. So he gets down here. Let's move on up to uh, first, verse 30 when he says, Nevertheless, what says the Scripture? 
cast out the bondwoman and her son. If you remember the story, Abraham had to cast out Hagar and his son, but you have to cast out the law today to be under grace. In other words, you've got to cling to Calvary. You've got to trust in what Christ did at Calvary, if you're going to stand fast, therefore, that's what Paul was talking about. You're going to have to keep trusting only, exclusively, in what Christ did to give you that liberty. If And, and when you do that, you are, in essence, in really all reality, you're, you're allowing the Lord to deal with you under grace because you've allowed him to cast out the law, deliver you, redeem you from the law, which is symbolic of casting out the bondwoman and its fruit. Because under law, there's only flesh, and flesh can only produce corruption. Under law, there's only flesh. There is no grace under law except to get out of it. Amen. So... And he says, uh, cast out the bondwoman, verse 30, chapter 4. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Because the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You're either under law or under grace. Uh, we can go back and forth, but we can never be under both at the same time. And we're told to cast out the bondwoman and her son. The law and its fruit. In verse 31, it says, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. That means we're not children of what the bondwoman represented, the law. We're children of the free woman, that which comes by promise, by grace, through faith, in Christ, and who he is and what he did at Calvary. So then, now we get to chapter 5, verse 1, and Paul is reminding them, you've got to stand fast. And i got to say something this morning. This is not an option in God's eyes. You may think it's an option, and it may be an option for all of humanity. Uh, let's just talk about the church right now. Because if you're the church, that means you've been born again exclusively through your faith in the blood of Jesus, nothing else. Anything else means you hadn't been saved yet. If you're trying to think that the Pope is the mediator or you did something to get in the kingdom physically, you committed an act, you're still not in the kingdom. It's only by faith. Whatever God offers is offered free to you. If you have to pay for it, work for it, think you can earn it, whatever, you still don't have it. I love you enough to tell you the truth, but that's what the Bible teaches. And I'm not worried about what men come along and say. I, I'm just, I want to know what God says, and it's all right here in the Scriptures. So, we stand fast, and again, let me say it, it's a command. And we'll see that. I'm going to show you some amazing things in the Word today. Most of you Bible scholars probably already know it, but it won't hurt to go back over it again. And uh, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty Wherewith, wherewith, you should have that high underlined in your Bible. Where? With. That word speaks of a place and a how. Wherewith. This is, this is where he did it. This is how he did it. What, he, I'm, I, what I'm talking about, how he liberated us and made us free. Uh, Romans chapter 6 tells us how that happened. That we obeyed that form of doctrine, and that made us free from sin. That tells us what the doctrine was. The message of the cross, the gospel. So here, and I'm going to emphasize this quite a bit this morning, at least till we get through it, and that is, once you're born again, Jesus becomes the captain of your salvation. That means he gives commands to his soldiers. Isn't it amazing we, uh, in our nation, in the church, we don't mind saying Jesus is the captain of my salvation and I'm a good soldier like the Bible says, but when he starts giving out commands, we got a problem with that. I'm a good soldier and he's the captain of my salvation. Listen, I was a Marine. You better just buckle up and do what the captain says. I mean, that's just the way it is in the military. When the captain gives a command, it's not an option in his mind. He expects movement. And Jesus said that you're his friend, you're friends with him if you do what he commands you to do. That's what he taught. 
So everybody who's running around making excuses as to why they're not obeying the Word of God, they're actually proving their faith is not where it should be. They're not standing any longer in that liberty wherewith they were freed, not only, listen to me this morning, not only freed from sin, but freed from a place where they could not obey God and brought into a place now where they can obey God. We talk about, oh, I'm free from sin, glory. If your, if your knowledge has not brought you also into, I'm free to obey Christ by this grace that He gave me to be obedient to the faith, Romans 1 5, then I'm missing out on it. I'm sitting at home making excuses why I'm not in church. I'm making excuses why I'm not giving tithes and offerings. And I just find myself making excuses of why I'm not doing what my captain has written on the pages of this book called the Bible for me to walk in. I mean, and your excuses, let me say it again, I was a Marine, and when the, if the captain said whatever he said, if I said, I don't feel like it, you're in big trouble. Let me tell you something in the church, you're in big trouble. There's consequences for disobeying your captain. He's not going to come and condemn you and, and take a sledgehammer to you, but listen to me this morning. There's consequences for being disobedient, and our excuses are not legitimate with the Lord. The, listen, in the very truth that Jesus was fully obedient and went to the cross for all of us who couldn't obey, and our faith in Him makes us obedient, Romans chapter 6, that we boast in, I want to tell you, if you're boasting in it, that means you've understood that you're now walking as He walked as obedient. I didn't say perfect, but you're not making excuses anymore. You're taking commands daily from the captain of your salvation. Amen. Look at this, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, that's talking about the cross because that's where He did the work to make us free. That, that's, He did it there with the shedding of His blood, the laying down of His life through an obedience to a command He'd been given by His Father. Did you hear me? Jesus dying was an obedient act to a command he'd had from his father. Jesus said, no man can take my life from me, for I have the power to lay it down and to raise it up again, because I have this commandment of my father. And it's time for the church to quit making excuses. We don't have to wonder what we should be doing. It's in the Word. We don't have to wonder how it's going to get done. It's in the Word. Faith in the cross gets you saved, and you keep it there, and you'll be living saved. And living saved is walking in obedience to the Word of God. You make excuses and say, well, you're in the flesh. You're, you're under law if you're making excuses as to why you're not being obedient to the Word of God. That only happens under law. Romans 2, 14, 15, write it down, take a note if you're mad at me. Go check it out. You'll find out you're really mad at God. So at the end of the verse, he says, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There are two options here. And remember, Paul is discussing with this church of Galatia in this letter, law and grace. Bondage and freedom. There is no third option. The cross brought you liberty. You can stand in that and continue to experience the liberty through your faith in that and not be moved to the purpose-driven, the words you speak. And I could list a thousand more things being written to pull a believing church as Judaizers, they're trying to pull us out. And I was pulled out for years, pulled out, believing all that junk. Every bandwagon that came through town with a different doctrine on it, winds of doctrine blew through town. I brought my family and jumped on the wagon. No more of that. God has revealed through many toils and many snares. He's been able to bring me back to the true faith, true grace of God, which is faith in the cross. And I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I don't care who likes it, who leaves, who t who I, who says I've heard enough of the gospel. Let me that proves they hadn't heard it yet. Amen. Amen. So so you, it, it's either that choice, liberty, grace, freedom, or it's being entangled again with the bondage that you came out of. Now, I'm going to read some things to you here in my notes. And if you want to, you can be turning to 2 Peter chapter 2. But don't forget to listen while you're turning. Peter 
would write concerning what happens when one lays hold of righteousness through faith in the cross, then turns away to go back to the pollutions of the world, which is what happens when an ear is given to the servants of corruption. Servants of corruption are servants of the law. Anybody telling you you have to do a work to get in the kingdom or do a work to experience sanctification, the power of God, the provision of God after you're born again is somebody trying to put you under law because they're under law. They are corrupt. They are living corrupt under the law. All you can do is live corrupt and they're trying and they're servants of corruption. Under the law is corruption. I mean, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. That is not an option. That is the Word of God. And they're servants of corruption. I don't care if it's your loving father, mother, grandfather, preacher you sat under for 40 years. If he is telling you, you've got to do a work to get into heaven. He is a servant of corruption because he is serving you the flesh under law. Amen. So... Servants of corruption are servants of the law because under law is where the flesh dominates our lives through the sin nature. And when we sow to the flesh, we will surely reap corruption. And that's Galatians 6, 8, if you're taking notes. Tells you that if you sow to the flesh, that means if you've chosen that to, to, to believe the cross just really isn't enough, it's really not the only object of faith, it's really not, not the centrality of my Life as a Christian, if, if there's more than the cross, then you've chosen to become a servant of corruption because you're living in corruption by the flesh. Amen. And it, and it tells us if we sow to that other than faith in the cross, then we're entangled again in bondage. That's what the Holy Spirit is begging, beseeching these Galatians to know. You have to know this. Anybody that we meet that says, yeah, all y'all want to talk about is the cross. You just want to refer the scriptures to the cross and, you know, and, but there's more than that and blah, blah, blah. And, and they go on with all these words of man's wisdom. And, and man, I tell you what, you got to even be careful among those that you respect and honor these days who are uh, occasionally preaching the cross because a mixture can move in so quickly. A mixture and we can use words of man's wisdom as to why we're not preaching the gospel while we're preaching politics or preaching all this other stuff. And we'll, we'll use words that are so, so wise in our own ears and, and, and people will follow us instead of following the gospel. If it's not the gospel you're following, then you're just following some old preacher. And I promise you, that preacher hadn't got victory for you. Jesus, through the faith in the gospel, has got that victory. Amen. I get, I get really tired of preachers that use all these fancy words to try to justify why they can bring politics into the pulpit. There ain't no fancy words and the pulpit is not a place for politics. The pulpit, the Bible says, preach the word. Hallelujah. And I know people get disgusted and turn me off, and those are the people that are following men who they've been beguiled through enticing words of man's wisdom. I'm not one of them. I'm not walking in that place. God forbid I ever do, but I'm not walking in that place. And when, I, when one day I do, then the ministry is going to start suffering. The ministry is going to start suffering if I choose to allow in my house... Anything other than the preaching of the gospel. If I allow that, this ministry is going to start suffering because I'm being entangled in something that I should not be entangled in. Yes, we should vote, and by Lord knows today it's obvious who everybody should vote for. But that is not our message. That is not our ministry. Amen. I don't care who gets their feelings hurt. I'm not here to hurt a feeling or help a feeling. Amen. I'm here to tell you that we got same problems today in the church that they had in this day we're reading about, and a preacher talking about anything but the gospel, he's hurting us. He's hurting us, and I don't care, you know, and people, well, brother, you know, we, we need some knowledge. That's not in your Bible. No, what you need is the power of the gospel. Amen. Are we determined to know nothing else? 
Are we actually saying I boast in nothing but the cross and then right then boast in other things? Are we using uh, men's wisdom just because we've got a few folk in our church that we got them in through the preaching of the cross, and now now we're just going to use the word cross every once in a while? Are we going to let the Holy Spirit open up the Scriptures in the light of the cross when we get together? That's the question. Because if that's not what we're doing, we're hurting the people, and we're actually calling them out of the liberty they've had. Now, I'm not meaning to be ugly, but that's the way this is. And all through the centuries, there have been many that have been used mightily by God to allow mixture and to fall away. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. And the way that is kept from happening is a determination by God's grace to know nothing other. And when things come in that we want that would make our ministries bigger or more fruitful, it seems to us, then we start slacking from the gospel. Oh, we got to still say the word cross, gospel, you know, Christ, him, crew. But are, is that what we're really all about? I'm talking about all about. But see, in man's mind, we've got that. So now, in, in the flesh, this is what happens. We've got this, so now it's safe to move on. Here's a great example. I'm a Christian, I've been a Christian, blah, 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 years, and so now it's okay for me to go back to watching R-rated, X-rated, whatever movies, because you know what? I'm a, I can handle that. I'm mature now. No, you can't. No, you can't. I don't care if you've been saved and walking as a holy man for 60 years. You start dabbling on that computer and stuff that ain't right, on that TV and stuff that ain't right, you're going back to an entanglement. You're rejecting the cross. Your choice in to go in that area is the rejection of the cross. Although the church has learned, how, oh no, I believe in the cross. What about it do you believe? What about it? It's a historical fact. Is that what you're believing? Because when your faith is there, and I'm going to say this today. This is so powerful. If your faith is in the cross, then everything God manifests in the cross is going to be manifest in you and through you. If you can't love others, your faith ain't in the cross. If your faith is in the cross, that love that was manifest there is being manifest in you and through you. If your faith is in the cross, that righteousness that was declared there is being declared to you, accepted by you, and expressed now through you by the Lord. That manifestation is now in you, through you, because your faith is, in fact, in the cross. Amen. If the expression of what Christ died for us to be able to have isn't flowing through us, we need to back up, do what the Apostle Paul said, examine myself to make sure I am in the faith and not just in a church. Amen. I'm just preaching this morning a little bit. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And now let's read this Second Peter 2.19. While they promise, these are servants of corruption, while they promise them liberty. See, that's what they promised too. That's what the Judaizers were promised to them. Oh, you're saying you're free with Christ, but listen, he came and said he done, he did away with the law, the word of God. And that's what the law was, the word of God. He's done away with the law, and if you're following Christ, that means you're no longer saying that you have to be responsible for the law. And, and, and there's no liberty in that. That's what the servants of corruption say. I mean, think about what they say today. If you're not water baptized, which is something you physically do, then you'll never have the liberty of Christ. That's a servant of corruption. <clears throat> Peter says this, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Whatever overcomes you, whatever takes your faith out of the cross, that's what you're in bondage to. I'm going to say that again. Whatever it is that you're playing around with, it's you're allowing to come in and tell you the cross really wasn't enough. There's got to be more than that. The, the cross really, I know he said it was finished, but, but there's got to be more. Whatever you allow to take you away from the cross and overcome you, because that's what's happening. You're being overtaken, overcome. You'll be in bondage to it. That's what Peter's writing here, and I believe he's speaking from experience. For if, 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, right cross right there, because the word Savior is there, and that's where He saved you, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than in the beginning. For it had been better, now here comes something we just don't like, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, now something I want us to highlight is in verse 20. You can highlight it, make a note, entangle therein and overcome. Now, You can be entangled again in something and be overcome to a certain degree, but I believe Peter's writing here of being entangled in something that's wrong to such a degree that it overcomes you and you even go as far as saying, I don't even believe the other anymore. Because we've all, even Peter, got entangled in some stuff and had to be rebuked, but it did not overcome him to the point of him rejecting the way of the cross. So you have to make a note of that. You, you and I, we've all been entangled in something. We've all even been overcome by some things, but we never was overcome to such a degree that we just threw the towel in on the cross and said, no, it, that's not it. I, I, do, I do have to work for this. You're talking about salvation here. You're talking about depending on something other than the cross for salvation. And, and, I, have to, and I have to make Peter, as the subject, Galatians chapter 2, Peter was overcome by fear. And Peter, Peter was entangled again in law, but he was rebuked. If you allow the Holy Spirit to rebuke you, even though it comes through somebody that may not be whoever you, you think you've allowed to rebuke you and only them. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit can bring a rebuke through anybody and you better be ready for it. If you've been sitting under some servant of corruption for 60 years, he's not going to use that man to bring a, a rebuke to you because he himself needs rebuking, and the Lord is attempting to rebuke him, and he's not listening. Amen, Brother Curtis, or oh me, help me, Lord. So, let me read verse 20 again, Second Peter chapter 2. For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that means... Through the cross, faith in the cross. They are again entangled therein, that means the pollutions of the world, and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Okay, again, for those of you who are legalist and don't really quite understand justification like you should, you have to use Peter as an example. Peter's end was not worse than his beginning. Even though he was entangled and he was uh, attacked by a spirit of fear and he was moved into a, a place of legalism again to the point that there was such a great dissimulation there, the Bible says that even Barnabas followed him off into this air. But their end was not worse. Or, 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 what's the Bible here say? Their, their end is, did not overtake them. They, they were rebuked, they were reproved, and they accepted it, and they came back to faith and grace. So, uh, if you don't want, listen, if you don't want this to be overtaken to the point that you just moved away and reject even this salvation which people have, they've been saved. Don't listen to the denominational preachers out there that'll tell you, well, they never were really saved. Who made you judge? And you can't find a scripture that'll say that. But I got lots of scriptures that say you can be cut off, you can be spewed out, you, your name can be removed and all that. We just listen to men when we accept those false doctrines that have just been passed down through the ages in our traditional denominations of men that God didn't create. Amen. Amen and amen. Let me amen one for all of y'all. Amen and amen again. Amen and amen again. Hallelujah. 
God didn't create all that mess. Amen. Verse 21, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, this is Peter writing. And I want to say something now. I want to give you a couple of scriptures this morning concerning the holy commandment. I want to show you in the Word today where in the mind of God, His, His covenant in His mind, in your mind, that's different. In His mind, His covenant, what He's offered humanity, is not an option. It's a command. His covenant is a command for you to be saved and to live in liberty. And if you reject the command, then you benefit the other, which is damnation. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that, and, uh, they, that the, 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 the Jewish people were told, you, you don't want to hear the gospel, then you have counted yourself unworthy of everlasting life, and we move on now to the Gentiles. It's, listen, when we accept law, then we're, we're accepting eternal damnation. Or the best we could say for a child of God that truly has been saved, if you're, if you're accepting some things you have to do, you're being taught to have the power and the provision of God in your life today, overseeing in your life, or victory in any area of your life other than the cross, then you're going to live your whole life under law without the benefits of, a, of being a child of God. And you're going to have to fake Everything you do. Under law is just religion that has a form but no power. Amen. That's powerful. The covenant is God's command to the nations. Not an option in God's mind, and it better not be in ours. Think about this. For the child of God, especially us who've been saved by the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, what he there did for us, brought into the kingdom through that veil, the veil of his flesh, through that door that he claimed he was, and now for us to, to, to go back under law. And that's the problem with the church in Galatia. That's the problem in America, all over the world. That's the problem in the church is, and I said the church, those who've been saved, we think now we have to coin some phrase or have some special revelation on this verse and this new thing that God's doing so people will hear about us and our church and line up to get in our church because this is where there's a great move of God happening. Listen, you better watch all that stuff. You better watch all that stuff. It's all found in the Gospels what you're looking for. And I want to show you something this morning that, that, that in a couple of scriptures in the Old Covenant that reveal what I'm talking about. We're more responsible than ever before. I know sometimes people really give us praise reports and about being preachers of the cross, determined, cross-eyed. Wow, I wish people were preaching it like you do and all this stuff. And let me tell you something. When people begin to boast and you realize that God has given you this great revelation of the cross, to the degree you've got it, it's that same degree He's expecting Him to be able to move in and through you, to change you and to use you. If all we've got is a boast in knowledge and it's not being applied to our lives, we don't really have very much, not in the way we need it. Just because we can get up and bring scriptures in from every direction and, and make it about the cross, we'll praise God for that, and the Holy Spirit will give us the Word. But I'm telling you this morning, if it's not being applied to our lives, we really don't have it like we think we have it. Because He who much is given... Much is required. So all of us that, that boast in nothing but the cross and claim we're determined to know nothing else, then that means we're focused on what the Holy Spirit's doing with this truth in our lives. Because it ain't all about what we know. It's all about the fruit that comes from what we know. That's, why, that's what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ's going to be looking for the fruit of what you knew. The fruit of what you have. It ain't what you got, honey. It's what you do with what you've got. That Jesus taught that in the, 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 the talents, the story of the talents. It ain't what you got. It's what you're doing with what you got. See, this is powerful this morning. 
So, and again, that comes to us because it's not an option. It's a command. Watch this. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 15. Watch this now. First Chronicles 16, 15. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. Uh, determined to know nothing else. Do you see that there? How often should we be mindful of his covenant? Always. When I wake up, I ought to be thinking about how good God's been to me because of the the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, When I go to bed, I ought to be thinking about how good God's been to me today, even through whatever bad things might have happened because of what He did for me through Calvary. Be mindful always of His covenant, watch this, the Word which He commanded to a thousand generations. (laughs) That's good stuff. Be ye always mindful. See, God gave us the mind of Christ. I don't have that in my notes, but it is in the New Testament. We've been given the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ is the mind of God. And in the Old Testament, I believe uh, there's more than one scripture that says that he's always mindful of his covenant. That's And, and that just justifies what he's given us here and, and these other cross-preaching ministries, that God laid the foundation in the blood of his Son... The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And that's all the only judgment God has made in all his word, which is his judgment in his dealings with men. So that was a command. The covenant is a command. But watch this. Be ye mindful always. And let me try to get this right. I didn't plan on saying this, but the Lord's trying to give it to me. He's always mindful of his covenant, so he wants us to be always mindful of his covenant. Because it's in through his covenant that he speaks, and he's shown us that here recently at Crossway Church, that every word that proceeds out of his mouth is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, and the righteousness of God is only revealed through the cross, which is in the gospel, Galatians 2.21 and Romans 1.16 and 17. That's very important that you know that. Yes, you are commanded to study the Word. We do not live a case or whatever God's going to do, He's going to do. No, you're told to study because through being a student of the Word, He's able to give you knowledge. And when He gives you knowledge, He expects you to submit to faith in the cross so that He can, by grace, work that knowledge into your heart to flow out through you. And if we're mindful of this covenant that He's mindful of, then that's the mind of Christ in operation in our lives. Watch this. Be you mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Here's the next one, Psalms 105.8. Psalms 105.8. He has remembered his covenant forever. That means that's all that's been on God's mind. In his dealings with men, that's all God has thought about. Think about when he had Moses build what was only a type and a shadow of what's in the heavenlies, the tabernacle, and how God said when they built the Holy of Holies and put the mercy seat there above the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim, and he said, this is where I'll meet with you. This is where I'll commune with you. It's because God only deals with humanity through the sacrifice. Only. There's no mercy. God's not being merciful out there today to the world. Mercy is only given through the cross. Now let me tell you, for those of you who kind of tripped out on that, God is long-suffering toward the world. He's waiting in His long-suffering. But mercy and grace and everything God's got to give to impart comes through the gospel. Faith in the cross. And here he says, he has remembered his covenant forever. The word, should have that highlighted again, which he commanded to a thousand generations. Here again we have the confirmation that the word must be tied to the covenant or it's a corrupt word. And we can hold God's word, his truth of his word, uh, in a place of unrighteousness, which means out of context, that means it's not focused on the covenant. Mm. God only speaks through the covenant. 
If the Old Testament was a type and a shadow of how God meets, where God meets with people, where with, there it is, where with he met and forgave and did everything he did, where God met, where with, remember the first verse in Galatians 5, stand fast therefore in the liberty where with, where is at the cross with faith in the blood and what happened there. Amen. Not a piece of wood or a tree. Amen. Good stuff this morning. Makes me want a donut. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So I hope you got those two verses written down. If you missed them, it's First Chronicles 16:15 and Psalms 105, verse 8, that remind us and confirm what it is he's given us to preach, that it's not too radical to always talk about the covenant, because that's what's always on the mind of God, and a command to us, a command to us to always have it on our minds, always have it in our pulpit, always have it wherever we are. Not on the shelf, but to have it filling our hearts on our lips, praise God. Standing is a command given to the child of God as a good soldier from the captain of their salvation, Jesus Christ. Got some notes here I wrote. I want to give them to you this morning. Here we also see that outside of this place in which we've been given uh, this command to stand, there's nothing but the entanglement again with that same yoke of bondage that he has liberated us from. There's only liberty with our faith in the cross. You know, I know it's, I know after a season of listening to this, after even several years, and we've watched through uh, the history of the children of God in the Old Testament, and even what God has done in the world with people who grab a hold of this truth and, 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 and walk for a, a season that, listen, there's always a knock on the door of more money. There's always a knock on the door of more prestige and fame. There's always a knock for bigger and bigger. And listen, all we need is the anointing. Hallelujah. And the anointing is truth. And the truth is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. That's the anointing. The anointing ain't this. Hallelujah. Oh, you may shiver and quake and shake all over, but it better be because of the anointing, because this ain't it. I got a Bible that says the anointing is truth. Hallelujah. And if God's anointed anybody, it'll be to preach the anointing, which is the truth. Not to put on a show the demonstration and power of the Spirit is through the Preaching of the cross, and that's in your Bible. Amen. This is being told to the Galatians because they're being tempted to go out into bondage again, but it is being dressed up with the Scriptures by the Judaizers to make it look like there's more benefits in the false way they point to. It's, it's been that way since the serpent entered and got a hold of Eve. The devil comes along, and he's got to use the Word of God. He's got to use the Word of God because the Word of God is the only thing on the planet that is good. So he's got to... You know what? Evil can't exist without starting with good. There was no evil. It was all good. What was good had to be taken and perverted to make evil. Because at first there was nothing but God and He's good and all that He's created and He saw it and said it was good. There's no evil. It's all good. So evil comes from somebody taking that which is good and perverting it. It takes good to make evil. But evil ain't good. (laughs) You get what I'm trying to say here. And the Scriptures are good. The law was good, holy and righteous and just, but it can't produce in you that which is good. Only faith in the cross can place in you and do in you that which is good, called the liberation from sin. And not only were you liberated... But because that's all that's on God's mind, that's all he's going to speak in the context of, he's told you, commanded you and me, stand there. There you'll hear me. There you'll commune with me. There you'll find the will of God for your life. There is where we will be in fellowship. 
Outside of that, when we leave that, we leave fellowship with Him. Because there is no fellowship, even with God and a child of God, if that child of God goes back under the place where there is no fellowship. There is no fellowship with God under the law. He did away with the first that He might establish the second. And the establishing of the second, which is the fulfillment of the old, and I heard John Rosenstern say uh, Sunday night that we shouldn't really call it an old covenant. We should just call it a, now a fulfilled covenant, which it is. It was the old covenant, but you know, I like what he said. It's It's been fulfilled, and I really like this, that, that Jesus didn't do away with the law, said he didn't. He filled it up with himself. See, it was types and shadows, and he's the light. That means when he was crucified, buried and raised from the dead, everything that had been in types and shadows turned on. And what does it spell? Christ and him crucified. Glory to God. Because that's all that's on God's mind. That's all he wants on your mind. I'm not talking about just standing there and meditating and a man hanging on a tree with blood on him and holes in his hands and feet. I'm talking about what he there provided for you to have every day, which is liberty, justification, redemption, sanctification, wisdom. You name it, there's where it comes to you through. And you don't just get it because you're in. You get it because you keep standing in. Hallelujah. If you move out from this where you were liberated, you don't get it anymore. Then you have to start faking, fake smiling. You Listen, you have to start, you, you've been pulled into this and pulled into that, and the devil's so good at whooping folk and making them brag about it. Like a battered wife that battered, says, and, and so deceived, she even, she's got to the point she believes that man loves her and that's his expression of love. He just doesn't know how to love me and, and really, and that's how he's trying to love me. Listen, that's deception. The devil will whoop you and make you boast in your whooping. Because everybody that's under law and preaching law, he's whooping the fire out of you and he's making you boast in your whooping. Hmm. That's good preaching this morning. Somebody told me recently I wasn't a preacher no more. I'm just a teacher. Well, I kind of think it's a little bit of both mixture. So, this is where we need to always remember that whoever is using Scripture, they must be pointing us to faith in the cross first. Or the word they are proclaiming is out of context and is subtly being proclaimed as the law of the letter that kills even though they may be saying with their mouth, grace, grace. The word grace coming out of your lips will do nothing for you. Don't got quiet up here. I can hear you smacking your gum when it gets... <laughs> saying grace won't get you grace. Faith in what gives you grace will get you grace the cross i know people i mean i mean think about kids who grow up in this message all their life now their 20s 30s whatever because the message now has been moving into the church again since 21 22 years ago something that nature and and the lord given a worldwide platform to the ministry at jsm and thank god for that and and churches being planted all over because of that hearing this truth raised up and kids being born in this message raised in this message but don't think the devil ain't gonna come and knock on the door and tell them only reason you believe in this is cause all you've ever known what about these other people you don't think god's honoring that that's all they've ever known. Let me tell you something. There's billions of people, hundreds of billions of people who won't go to heaven. The only answer God has ever had is the answer He laid as the foundation from the foundation of the world and the only it's the only answer He's ever spoken concerning and through. Everything He's ever done has been about the gospel. It's been about the sacrifice of Christ. All of it. You can't be too much about the sacrifice when God commanded us to be mindful of it always. See, he just keeps confirming to those who are on the path, because we all get the knocks on the window. Got to be more than this. You've all heard that. Got to be people come to our church and they don't even sit very long and they're up and out the door because the devil's telling them all there's more than this. 
Well, I'd like to know what more that is, because every time somebody said that, what comes out of their mouth next is law. It's what we have to go do. And it's either all about faith in what he did for me, or it's an entanglement in bondage again, the removal of the experience of liberty in my life into bondage because I'm trusting in now what I'm doing. And I'm telling you, if my faith is in anything other than what God is always mindful of, laid from the foundation of the world, and only has spoken in reference to, then I'm in bondage. Think about when Jesus showed up in John 5, 39 and said, You search, search the Scriptures, for in them you say you have life, but they are they which testify of me. Not of your regulations, uh, denominational, of your anything. They, the Scriptures are about Jesus. And when he said that, all they had was Genesis through Malachi. Well, what about him were the Scriptures? Just that he'd come. Just that he'd be born, no, that he would come and bear our sorrows and our griefs. That he would be bruised and wounded for our sins and iniquities. That he would be the seed of the woman, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. Powerful. That's what the Scriptures are about. The Scriptures is the Word of God. That means God is always mindful of His covenant. Every situation He runs into, He's going to give a word about the covenant. And Jesus said, hey, the, the new covenant is in my blood. Amen. So any Christian counseling that doesn't point to the cross for the answer was not God giving the counsel. You, oh, Lord, I, oh, I need the mind of the Lord this Sunday morning. Oh, I, oh, God, I need the mind of the Lord. Yes, we need the mind of the Lord, but the mind of the Lord is always on the covenant. I like kindergarten. God made it at a level of kindergarten where we could all get in and we could grow. We might even get to the 12th grade, but you ain't get the diploma till you see Jesus. Because <laughs> have we heard it before? There ain't no graduating class till we all get to heaven. Glory to God. <laughs> We're going to keep it simple because that's how God made it. Doesn't matter if you're four or five years old or maybe younger if you can comprehend what the, the word. Let me say it again. If there, if you, if you go into a council session, that's why there was a man and a woman years ago that just hounded me and hounded me for counseling. And they sit in the sanctuary meeting after meeting after meeting, hearing the message of the cross, the word of God in that context, in every avenue, uh, in all types and ways of, of where we are in today's world, the cross is the answer. And then, and I don't mind counseling people. I have, I'd have a desire to counsel if they will receive my counsel. And we were in the counseling session, and she looked at him after about an hour and said, Honey, is this something you'd like to do every week? I said, No, wait a minute. This ain't something I'm going to do every week. And I know some people looked at it and say, Well, that's kind of mean as a preacher. Ain't that what you're supposed to do? What do you mean by supposed to do? You, that's the attitude of the hireling. What I'm supposed to do is preach the Word, the anointing, which is the truth, and if people are sitting out there, they'll believe it. There, there may need to be some extra counseling, but only so I can show them what God says, not what I think. Because I got a good marriage. Listen, I only have the words of God according to what is on his mind. And he said he's only mindful of his covenant. That means all the scriptures have to flow through the covenant for them to be in their righteous context. That means gospel form before they'll benefit me. And I told that man and the woman there that day, I said, no, no, I can't. I'm not doing this every week. I said, I've already given you the answer. I give it to you every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every time I every time I do anything. The answer is you just literally believe in Christ paid for everything at the cross. He everything you're dealing with that that's wrong, that's sinful, that's not right, he crucified it to the cross and your faith there will give you victory if not immediately you will begin to be liberated, grow in this place of victory and liberty and you don't need to meet with 
with me once a week and or twice a week just telling you the same thing over and over and over when you can just surrender to it right now. And you're not going to just walk out of here just in complete, uh, where nothing's going to bother you again, but believing, receiving, accepting, acknowledging, and saying, my faith is in the death of Jesus for everything that comes my way. You're going to know the answer now. And you're going to experience the liberty of that answer, which is Christ and Him crucified. That's where we've been commanded to stand, to be able to experience daily the liberty that we've been given. We can't move from the faith in the cross. If we do, we're moving from faith that's legitimate to faith in the Word of God. Even so, out of context though. Because all God's words are in righteousness. He's only mindful of the covenant. And in dealing with men, what's on his mind, his thoughts, he's given us his wor- words are what you think. And God says he's always mindful of the covenant. And if words are what you're thinking about, that means all he has written and given us to think about is what he's thinking about. So for us to say there's more than the cross, what is it then? And they'll say, that. well, there's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I get what you're saying. There's many experiences for the Christian, but there's only one object of faith for the Christian. If that weren't the case, we wouldn't be told the church in Galatia in big time trouble wouldn't be told to stand fast in that liberty. You know, the Holy Spirit through Paul wouldn't have gone back and had to describe in an allegory the difference between law and grace and and Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. The Holy Spirit, listen to me this morning, the Holy Spirit was reaching with a great love to hold The people that he had called into this grace steady (coughs) to stay in this grace. It's a move of God. When somebody's preaching the word of God in the context of which God is thinking, which is the covenant, that's a move of God. As we said Wednesday night, the gospel always produces the power of God. It, it, it makes, it, it causes a move of God, whether it's a, a, a move to Him or a rejection of Him. There in the Spirit is a movement. Because we have to do something. We're forced to make a decision when the gospel comes forth. It's either, no, I don't really, I hear what he's saying, but I know my Uncle Joe wouldn't lie to me. And Uncle Joe's been telling me, you got to be saved by water baptism because there's a scripture that tells you if you're not baptized that you're not, that you're, that you're going to be damned. And, and listen, Uncle Joe doesn't know the word in its righteous context. Amen. we got to be willing to let go of Uncle Joe and cling to our Christ. Amen. Amen. If we're going to experience the living. And you're not clinging to Christ, walking with Christ, fellowshipping with Christ, if your faith is not in the sacrifice. Again, the old covenant type and shadow. This is where I'll meet with you. This is where I'll commune with you. I believe it's Exodus 25. You'll find it. That was type and a shadow. The new covenant, where we meet with God, where we fellowship with God, is through the blood. Amen. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood cleanses from all unrighteousness. Well, I've already been cleansed by the blood. No, we are being cleansed by the blood daily. We're cleansed and have our position in Christ in heaven. But now here we are in a condition. Here we are trying to live out that status that's sealed in Christ there. And I'm thankful to know that today. And don't be mixed up with those people that say, no, you are here right now. You are, there ain't no sin nature and there ain't no conviction of the Holy Spirit. You've got to run from them people. If we listen, how how can God chasten us, which He says He does all His children, if He can't convict us first? Amen. So I guess the main thing we needed to get out of this first verse, <laughs> chapter five, verse one, one hour, is that the covenant is a command, and the and the and the command is to cling to that. Stand in it. Don't move from it. When you do, you lose your liberty. 
I didn't say you lose your salvation. You're headed that direction. Because if you are, if you're completely overtaken by that which is false to the point of rejecting the cross, and people must do it because the Bible tells us, then your end will be worse than it was at the beginning. Hey, cling, and he calls it righteousness. Clinging to this righteousness that only comes by faith in the cross. The covenant is a command, my friend. Every person at the judgment seat of Christ, Christians are going to be have, have to give an account for what they did with this command as Christians. Every person at the great white throne judgment are going to have to give an answer as why they rejected the command from Almighty God. I've been blessed this morning. I appreciate you joining with us. Don't just like it. Don't just comment on it. Share it. Prove you're not ashamed of the gospel. And until next week, right here again, God bless you. Stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.